you are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. I didn't know of the theologian Stanley Harawas until I discovered his and William Williman's book, Resonant Aliens, a couple of years after I began teaching at Palm Beach Atlantic College in 1989. There is a conviction in the culture of country churches here in the mountains of western North Carolina and East Tennessee, where I was born and raised, that preaching somehow isn't good preaching unless it, as they say, steps on your toes. By that, country folk mean that the preacher is supposed to point out your failures and your sins so that you can have a revival-style conversion or rededication. After reading Resident Aliens, I felt like that Hauerwas and Williman had taken a sledgehammer and flattened every toe I had and a few fingers to go along. It was a painful read, but a conversion experience of sorts. So I began to read other of Hauerwas's works. That led me to learning about John Howard Joder, and especially his book, The Politics of Jesus. Those two books, Resident Aliens by Hauerwas and The Politics of Jesus by Joder, changed me. It changed the way I thought about theology, and it changed the way I thought about ministry. In addition, in a couple of books that are collections of William Williman's sermons, I began to understand how to preach the theology of Hauerwas and Yoder, and that has changed my preaching to this day. What I didn't know until around 2010, when a couple of my friends with whom I am in a prayer group told me of its existence because they had been active in it for the past five or six years, was that there had arisen what developed into an organized conversation by those who shared Harawas's and Yoder's convictions and perspectives, and that this conversation led to the launching of an effort in 1999 and 2000 called the Ecclesia Project. Although it has been around for 20 years, like me, there are a great many folks who would like to know of the Ecclesia Project, but still don't. The Ecclesia Project describes itself as a network of scholars, ministers, and lay people who love the church and believe that following Jesus affects every area of our lives and the work of the church. So my guests today are a scholar, a pastor, and a layperson who will introduce us to the Ecclesia Project to tell us why they think it's important enough to be involved in it to assess its progress over the past 20 years, and to speak of its future as they understand it. Kelly Johnson is the Father William J. Faree, Chair of Social Justice at the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. Kyle Childress has been pastor of Austin Heights Baptist Church in Nagadoches, Texas, since 1989. And Chi Ming Chien is the president and co-founder of Dayspring Technologies, which is a San Francisco digital consultancy that has been offering people-centered design and software engineering services since 1997. So welcome. Thank you for being with me tonight. Thanks, David. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's begin uh, by, uh, for those who don't know, and I am surprised at the number of people who don't. Uh, You all been around for 20 years, and yet there are a lot of people who uh, want to know, would like to know, but don't know about the Ecclesia Project. So what is it? Uh, how did it get started? Uh, what is it that y'all do? Uh, well, David, 
I would say that the short answer I give people about what, what the Ecclesia Project is, is that it is um, a network of pastors and theologians and lay people from a variety of Christian communities, um, Catholic, mainline Protestant, house churches, Anabaptists, uh, who are all committed to working on asking questions about how to be the church in America, and specifically dealing with American capitalism and racism and nationalism and militarism as real challenges for the church. And the assumption that we all share, I think, is that the church is its own kind of politics, by which we mean that when, we, when we're thinking about what's the church's, how does the church matter in the world? The first way the church matters in the world is that the church should be a community that witnesses to the world about the kingdom of God, that shows what it looks like, that actually lives that way itself. And um, so it's a fascinating group. You get people who are writing books and people who are running daycares and, um, and a whole gamut of people um, who have a lot of different actual ecclesial practices and a lot of different experiences who are all brought together around that kind of question, how will we be church in America? So it's become a, you know, a network of friends all around the country. Um, and uh, we'll sometimes say Ecclesia Project is where I discovered a lot of friends I didn't know that I had. Uh, we go there and, and find all kinds of people who are thinking about the same kind of questions we were thinking about in um, parts of the church that I've never had contact with before. So it's been a great gift for me. Well, how did it get started? I mean, what, you know, what brought it about? Um, well, I'll say a little about this, and then maybe Kyle can take that over. Uh, it was about 20 years ago. I was a graduate student um, at Duke at that point working with Stanley Harawas, and a number of the other graduate students had started reading um, some works by this political scientist in Chicago, a Catholic political scientist named um, Mike Buddy. Uh, who was making the argument that the way the church is present in American society is um, uh, as a cultural force, but American culture actually makes it very hard for the church to do that. And uh, this was an argument that was kind of um, related to a lot of things that uh, people at Duke were thinking about. And the two groups or the, uh, Buddy and this crowd at Duke started um, talking back and forth with each other. And Mike Buddy said, enough with the talk, we need a movement. And that's basically how the Ecclesia Project got started, um, that a bunch of academics decided they wanted to talk to church people and see if they could actually make something happen. And that was about 20 years ago. When I found out about it, it was, was oh, about one year into the Ecclesia Project. I didn't come to the first gathering, but Stanley Harawas had been speaking at our church and I'd been friends with Stanley and read his stuff, oh, for a dozen years before that, uh, maybe uh, longer. But he was sitting in my study and, and uh, said, you need, to, you need to come to a gathering called the Ecclesia Project. And, you know, I asked him more about it. So it was interesting because I, I was then and am now interested in talking about the church as the church, meaning um, 
I go to lots of meetings, say denominational meetings, where you talk about mission and ministry, and that's good, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I go to other meetings that are sort of activist-oriented about uh, immigration and um, racism and so on. But this was a unique group talking about, with all those kinds of things in the background, and people who were very conversant in those worlds, as well as the worlds of theology, uh, and academics, but talking about what does it mean to be the church um, and taking that seriously and listening to one another from different traditions. So for me to talk to uh, Kelly or to Mike Buddy, who are uh, Roman Catholic with a different perspective, come at it from a different angle, was very refreshing for me. And, and on the other side of the table for us might be uh, Mennonite. Uh who was looking at it from a, a different angle from that. So those were some of my early experiences, and I've continued to enjoy the what I've learned from the Ecclesia Project. Chi Ming, how about you? How did you get involved with Ecclesia So, Yeah, so Kelly's a scholar and Kyle's a pastor. Um, I'm laity, and I really got to know uh, Ecclesia Project initially just by browsing my pastor's bookshelf. So um, I went into my pastor's office one day and uh, saw a book um, on the bookshelf that was edited by Brent Latham. Um, and the title was um, a compelling title. It said, or at least um, provoking uh, title said, God is not, uh, God is not religious, not nice, not one of us, not American, not a capitalist, um, very accessible volume. Um, I read it and uh, thought, well, this is um, really um, interesting, thought provoking, um, our church had used um, Stanley Harawas and William uh, Williman's Resident Aliens as part of our membership um, class. And uh, at that time, our pastors had just started attending the annual gathering that the Ecclesia Project holds. Um, so I, I basically asked to come along. Um, I said, you know, th this sounds like the kind of folks um, that would uh, be interesting to get to know, the kind of folks that um, could help significantly to shape how um, how a person, how a church um, lives out um, life of faith, and so I, yeah, came to the came to my first gathering. I think in two thousand seven. Okay. Uh, as an aside, let me let me uh, be glad that Chi Ming has point has uh, admitted that he took books off his pastor's bookshelf. <laughs> I have books missed it off my bookshelf all the time, and I have like people who no. I didn't do it. That's right. That one, that one in particular, I think I returned. I, I probably still um, have some potentially that I haven't returned yet. <laughs> well, so you've been around for 20 years. Uh, what's happened during those 20 years? Oh, wow. Well, I, I guess I would say we, you know, it, it, it started off being, um, the majority of the people in the room the first year were scholars who wanted to be more connected to the church and doing something other than just writing books. Uh, but they didn't know what because they were scholars. And I, so one of the things that has really changed over the years is that while they're still a network of scholars who are very involved with the Ecclesia Project and find it um, uh, intellectually as well as personally um, fulfilling uh, it, it has, um, 
uh, actually become an organization that is much more the the joint product of um, uh, pastors and lay people as well. And and that's been a really good thing. I mean, I think some of the initiatives we had in the early days, because the things that most of us who were involved, you know, were good at doing were scholarly kinds of things. So the first kinds of things we tried to do were in publishing to write more accessible works to write. We um, produced and are still producing, to be fair, um, a set of pamphlets, the idea that they would be very short, very accessible, very low cost. Um, and those are still, this is a, a um, my little advertisement. If you go to the Ecclesia Project website, those are still available for free to download. Um, and those would be co-written by, you know, a scholar and a, and a pastor or a lay person working together to write something so that it would be really accessible. Uh, but we had an academic book series and, and, um, and the character of the gatherings, I think, in those early days was much more geared toward an academic conversation. Uh, and over the years, as the Ecclesia Project has achieved what it, what it meant to do, which was to connect um, churches, uh, it's, it's become much more um, a community that focuses on practice and pastoral questions and um, as well as scholarly questions. I, that's one thing that occurs to me, something that's changed over the years. I think this idea, yeah, I think this idea that Kelly talks about, uh, about having um, scholars and pastors in conversation for the sake of the church is, is really important and really key um, to my experience of the Ecclesia Project. And I think the way that, that the Ecclesia Project understands itself. So one of our congregations, um, I'm part of a congregation in San Francisco called Redeemer um, Community Church. And one of our engagements with the Ecclesia Project is um, uh, EP's Congregational Formational Initiative. Um, and so that's basically an initiative where you pair um, a pastor, where, where the EP will pair a pastor um, together with a scholar and then come alongside um, the pastor and congregation um, of a local church um, to help it um, have a conversation about and imagine what it might look like for that particular local church to be a faithful embodiment of the kingdom of God. And um, so in our particular case, um, Kyle um, was the pastor um, and Phil Kennison was a scholar. Um, and they came alongside our congregation, um, led retreats um, for us, um, led us through some of the material that the EP has put together about um, understanding how Christian formation works, um, what it looks like to be shaped towards the kingdom of God as a congregation. Um, so that was a very significant um, time and experience uh, for our church. I think the, the pairing of folks that have um, lived experience and uh, pastoral sensibilities um, with folks, um, scholars who are doing um, the deep theological work, I think uh, uh, really provides some of the, some of what I feel like is often missing. Like if you, you know, if you, if you read books um, uh, from just one angle or the other, like a, a work that's too academic or, or a work that may, um, may kind of lean towards um, some of the, I guess I would say like some of the, the American captivities um, that, that the church is under. Um, so I think we've really appreciated the dialogue between scholar and pastor and how that's uh, nurtured something in our congregation. So what did uh, the ministerial result of that produce? And what you all did ministry wise and what you all 
um, how you all change. Yeah, I think one of the things that it um, that it produced over the course of time was um, one specific. I remember one retreat that um, Phil Kennison led for us and um, was working with the idea that God um, is um, is about uh, the work of God in the world is about making room, practicing hospitality. Um, so, um, both in inviting people into um, the relationship that God has in in God's self and the Trinity, um, making room for that, and that um, the then the call for the church is also to practice a similar kind of hospitality. So, um, one of you know, so so I think we've we've seen um, that in how. Our church may think about our place in our neighborhood, um, for example. Um, the flip side of that is actually really interesting, um, which is um, another kind of connection through the Ecclesia Project. Um, Mark Lau Branson, um, who um, is a professor at Fuller, um, helped lead us in talking about missional engagement and understanding kind of out of uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke 10, the sending uh, of the 70, um, that the the disciples were sent out to experience hospitality, um, sent out vulnerably to um, to uh, to preach the kingdom, um, to heal the sick, um, but also not to take any money with them. Um, you know, to go into villages and experience hospitality. So, I think this kind of dynamic of um, practicing hospitality and also experiencing ho- hospitality is just one of the fruits of uh, our engagement with. You know, with theologians, with other pastors, um, through the Ecclesia Project. Kyle, did your church go through the same kind of thing? Yeah, uh, although Redeemer Chiming's church has really been uh, a leader in doing this. Of course, it was one of my great experiences to go and be the pastor in uh, the Scholar Pastor Dialogue uh, out in San Francisco, and I also did it with a couple of other churches, and so. Uh, the whole thing about the this uh, dialogue sessions with pastor scholars in church settings and the Ecclesia Project is about all the, there's a lot of networking. And I mean networking in the best sense of the word of, as Kelly said a while ago, meeting friends you never knew you had before. But then those friends end up uh, connecting with your congregation somehow. A lot of times it's books. Um in front of the congregation so we'll have something that someone in the ecclesia project has written and that'll be our book study for um, a season of the year or uh, we've had retreat uh, leaders uh, come from the ecclesia project phil kennison for example is one of them that came and led early uh, early in our in this process uh, one of his books on fruits of the spirit and led a church-wide retreat on it after we had been reading it for several weeks, several um, a couple of months or something. But that networking and exchanging of ideas, and for, for in my case, uh, a Baptist, uh, predominantly white Baptist congregation in East Texas, having this extraordinary dialogue with Roman Catholic and Mennonite and Presbyterians and Methodists from around the country uh, is very enriching. It uh, keeps us from um, being too ingrown uh, and uh, realizing there's a broader church out there that's doing great stuff. So how does a church that wants to be involved in something like that get involved? 
Well, I, Kelly said go to the website. That's the first step, probably. Go to the Ecclesia Project website and start exploring and clicking on uh, the different uh, bits of information. And then I'm sure contacting leadership would be one of the ways to do that. I mean, that's the way I would do it if I was going to try to find out more about it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to get started. I mean, the you know, the once a year we do have an annual gathering and that is um, kind of the epicenter of all of that uh, network or sometimes they'll call it a conspiracy of <laughs> or something. Uh, but that's um, that's a wonderful time to be able to sit down at breakfast at a table and you have no idea who's going to be there and the conversations that ensue among, <laughs> you know, um, the mix of people you get at this kind of thing. It's really extraordinary and wonderful. We weren't able to do the gathering this summer, obviously because of COVID. Um, but uh, our plan is to be back next summer. Uh, and the, the, uh, the plans for that look really great. Well, Kelly, you touched a little earlier upon the notion that uh, the kind of the guiding uh, vision of the project is uh, that the church is its own politics. Mm. Kind of unpack that a little more. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think what's confusing for people um, about that phrase is um, that that I'm using the word politics not in the way that we usually use it, right? The, um, in in common talk in the U.S., that means um, you know party politics and backroom with a lot of smoke cutting a deal to get some legislation through. And that's not what we're talking about. What we mean by politics is that the church is um, uh, kind of like a small city, that it is actually an entity you don't just go to on a Sunday or a kind of a service provider where you go and get a little bit of therapy or a little bit of inspiration or something like that. But that entering into the church is becoming a member of a community that has a has a whole life together and therefore do discernment about the purpose of that life together. And so it's not backroom deals, but it probably does mean that the church is a place where people argue with each other a lot, because instead of just going on Sunday and hearing the sermon and going home, this is a vision where church is actually people sitting together and talking about what should our common life look like. And so we'll talk about, you know, how will we um, organize our money? How will we take care of our children? How will we take care of our members who are sick? How will we um, be present in the problems around us? And so the work of the church is not sort of that's the place I go to get my soul saved. The work of the church is I'm called by God to be a member of a community who are a sign of what God intends for the world. And God is very um, patient and gracious because most of those signs are very limping signs. I'll tell you what, they're, I mean, these are not sort of glorious, victorious, wow, we've arrived in heaven. It's work. Politics is always work. Right. Um, but that's that's what I mean, is that the vision of becoming Christian is about becoming a member of um, a, a whole form of life that's shared with a group of people. And you and those people are discovering together what it is God wants you to be doing in the world. It does take a lot of um, trust uh, to be uh, a part of uh, the church as, as she's talking about. Uh, you develop that trust. I mean, if you only show up for an hour on Sunday morning and head out the door and go about your other activities and you go to just simply be inspired 
or motivated or just, you know, uh, five points or three points in a poem, uh, then this doesn't make sense. But if you're going and you're a part of a, a community of faith that shares life together, and, and a, lot, a lot of churches know this, I mean, the guy that you're sitting next to in the choir loft is also the person uh, whose wife you helped bury last year, whose son is unemployed and y'all are all trying to help find employment and you work at a, 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 a food kitchen uh, for homeless people on Tuesday mornings. All of those things are going on all the time. Also, the studies and the conversations and the worship. But you learn, and, and that fellow that you're sitting next to in choir may have different partisan views as far as uh, a more narrow understanding of politics. But what better place to talk through this stuff and ask the question, what is the, the birth and the crucifixion life and crucifixion and resurrection of Christ have to do with all of this other stuff going on around us? The church is the one place that you ought to be able to talk about that, but you got to talk about it when there is extraordinary commitment and trust among each other. And, and that, you know, th that's, that's called church when you start seeing that kind of stuff happen. Yeah, that's right. And I think I think sometimes that can sound to people like this is a very insular sort of vision. Like, okay, now I'm going to go. I'm going to find my people. We're going to make our little we're going to make our little Christian village among us, right? And um, and that's really that is not the character of the Ecclesia Project. It's not the vision. It's not the way the communities that are that are part of this network um, work. I mean, we could go back again to let Chiming tell stories about Redeemer, but. I'll just mention one of the congregations that's that's been very connected to the Ecclesia Project, um, besides Redeemer. Um, uh, initially, because of this kind of vision, a number of the people in the community decided they wanted to move to be nearer to the church, which was in a part of town that had once been a very prestigious uh, sort of address and had become pretty depressed, economically depressed. and. So they moved in there, but because of the character of the gospel as they understood it, they made a commitment not to fix the houses up there in such a way that they would drive up property values and drive other people out of the neighborhood. So they didn't, they actually consciously resisted gentrification and moved there to be neighbors to their fellow members of the church, but also moved there to be neighbors to the people they were going to be neighbors to. And that church has actually become a very important, very concrete. I mean, they started a like a lawn mowing business for for people who were unemployed. I mean, in some very concrete ways, um, they've become a community of people who practice um, mutual love among themselves and care for all of their neighbors as well. How did you begin to move in this direction? as congregations i mean because i'm thinking you know when i was pastoring um while i was resonating with all this stuff uh that was just not where my church was uh and i struggled with how to how to move them even to begin these kind of conversations um what'd y'all do to do that 
I don't know. I might say that in our case, um, part of what it was um, for us was um, being exposed to um, other congregations that were um, trying to uh, figure it out in their context, right? So um, I don't know if, if I know the specific congregation that Kelly is referring to, um, but I know that um, as part of um, um, being at the gathering and um, sitting in small circles um, where we might be talking with folks, um, pastor um, from a different congregation or a layperson from a different congregation, and they're engaging these questions um, like, um, what does it look like for us to love our neighbors? Um, or um, uh, how are we thinking about um, how you know we use money as a congregation, and then just hearing um, you know different stories of of different congregations trying to engage those questions in their context. I think that's um, everybody's context is obviously pretty different, um, and the way that the gospel is going to take shape in that context is really different. But um, hearing kind of how people are faithfully trying to work with those questions and coming up with really creative um, ways to do that um, then is really stimulating you know for for us and for our congregation to try to imagine you know what that might look like so it kind of gets back to this um, um, you know what uh, Kelly and Kyle were talking about um, you know friends you didn't know you have or um, a school for subversive friendship right um, which is I think one of the ways that the EP has articulated itself um, that um, if if the picture of friendship is is picture of folks kind of um, heading in the same direction and being encouraged by others who are head, heading in the same direction or trying to, um, uh, I think just being exposed to having conversation with folks um, uh, definitely um, stirs the imagination. Kyle, you want to hop in? Well, yeah, um, you know if you're. Um, I, I, part of, on a part of um, some kind of ecclesia project retreat years ago, I was in Portland, Oregon, and it was a it was a retreat or uh, weekend kind of thing with a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church, uh, recall maybe a Mennonite church, and here I was a Baptist from Texas, um, and there was uh, Roman Catholic involvement and so on. And uh, by the standards of our normal, of what unfortunately becomes the stereotypical ways of uh, defining American church life, conservative and liberal and all that. And if we use those definitions, that little Baptist church up there was very conservative, much more conservative than, say, I would be comfortable with. Presbyterian church was somewhere else on the spectrum, Mennonite, so on. But, uh, it, but the context was different. And these churches were in trouble with their hierarchies high up because they were doing stuff together. They only were a few blocks from each. So you had a Mennonite and a Catholic and Presbyterian and Baptist church doing youth stuff together. And it was one of the most refreshing uh, weekends that I've ever had because all of the churches knew they weren't in charge of trying to run society. They were... They were called to be the people of Christ in that context, the church. And they shared gifts and they shared ministries and they, sh uh, but they weren't trying to run anything. And me in the South, the American uh, white evangelical church, we get all 
uh, caught up in trying to run things. Catholics and, never do this. <laughs> well, hey, I'm not, you, you, talk, you talk for your group, I'll talk for mine. <laughs> but uh, it was so good to not have to try to run anything. Everybody knew that they weren't in charge. And therefore, there was this extraordinary freedom to, to see what does God want us to do? How can we be the people of God when we're not running things, uh, and that was that was, uh, and I guess one, that's one of the ways that has helped for our congregation is we're a small congregation, and we have no pre- pretense of being in charge or trying to run things. Uh, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use us for ministry. Uh, in fact, that's the best way to be used for ministry is you're not in charge. You know, you have to use creativity. You have to use uh, the Holy Spirit-led imagination to figure out how do you do things in your uh, context, in your society, when you don't have the power. But, man, that means uh, it gets to be exciting, certainly not boring. Well, as a layperson, uh, Chi Ming, because, uh, you you know, you're co-president of a company, uh, how does this uh, play out with what you do? Yeah, so um, I serve as the president of Dayspring uh, Technologies, which is a, a custom software consultancy um, in San Francisco. And um, it was actually started by three members um, of the church that I was a part of at that time, which then planted Redeemer, which is the church that I'm uh, a member of now. And um, I would say that I think the way that I've thought about how um, the church, um, which is significantly influenced by the Ecclesia Project, um, has influenced our company, um, is that it provides um, the um, it provides the social imaginary that makes um, a company like Dayspring intelligible. So, what do I what I mean by that is that um, is that Dayspring has you know, practices that would be considered pretty odd. So, you know, we devote um, 5% of our time and 10% of our profit and 100% of our equity to the common good. So we actually, um, in our conversation about share ownership, we don't, um, we're not operating with kind of typical capitalist um, understandings of share ownership. Um, We um, are currently um, helping to fund a position um, for an independent school within our neighborhood that um, serves um, 80% residents from our neighborhood, low-income, first generation to college. Um, so there's these kind of various ways that we're imagining, you know, using profit um, as a company that, you know, is a group of people in a productive arrangement. And um, the way that we've understood why that makes sense um, is in the narrative of the church, um, in the narrative of the life of Jesus, of what it looks like to lay down privilege um, and power, um, rather than you know, um, rather than than exploit it. Um, it um, is um, to say, you know, it, it's also in the narrative of understanding that we're part of a community and part of a communion, um, where kind of typical. Um, ways of thinking about money, thinking about ownership, um, thinking about power, um, can break that communion. And so, are there um, are there alternate ways that we can think about um, setting salaries? Are there alternate ways that we can think about who the profits of a company go to? Are there alternate ways of um, 
a business kind of performing within its community environment that actually serve to um, to build communion rather than break it. Um, so it um, I would say that kind of the interaction between the business and the church um, is kind of um, is the maybe the theological conversation um, and also the lived social context that actually makes a business like Dayspring and its practices viable. Okay, wow, that's that's an amazing thing, uh, not something I've I've heard of. Uh, so I thank you for doing that, Kelly. How does this kind of connect with you beyond scholarship? Um, well, you know, one of my fellow scholars in the Ecclesia Project said a few months ago, um, "It's possible that the Ecclesia Project has saved my faith." And, and I think that might be true of me as well, that um, meeting communities of people who, you know, there's this old saw that they'll say Chesterton said it or somebody, um, that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and therefore left untried. <laughs> and, um, and, and that certainly has oftentimes been my experience in being part of a network of people who are, uh, <laughs> who are, uh, happily and in very interesting and creative ways, trying it and finding it to be life-giving and, and sure, difficult. Yes, but not at all impossible to do things that are, in fact, um, testimonies to the generosity of God. I mean, I think the kind of thing you just heard Shiming say that they're developing a model of a business where they think about how money can create communion rather than dividing people against each other. That's extraordinary. And um, it does, uh, you know, when you're living in a world of books and um, things can seem uh, dry or abstract or out of touch with reality to discover that in fact there are people who take these things we say and they make something beautiful out of them it does uh give me a sense that there's a purpose to my scholarship be careful what you write because we're going to try it i i have had i have had this experience a couple of occasions and it's and it's very humbling yeah i end up preaching it so I mean, what, this is a great example about how we can think about economics in a different way. So I'll get up and preach a sermon on Acts 2 and 4, the early church in the book of Acts, about uh, sharing a common life and share, having all things in common and all of that. And the standard standard uh, approaches that you uh, from, is that's either antiquated, that was back then, and they don't do that anymore or uh, contemporary partisan politics. It's either capitalism or socialism, and that's all you hear about. And here is a, where you can take a biblical text, Acts 2 and 4, and, you, and then you hold up in the sermon uh, and talk about Chi Ming's church uh, in uh, San Francisco, who's doing, and his company, that's do, trying to do economics in their context in a, in a very Christian kind of way that at least stimulates the imagination about what else, what might be possible where we are. I mean, this is fun stuff and uh, refreshing stuff. Uh, and when you're a pastor, you get this out in front of a congregation and there are business people out there who are saying, wow, I have never dreamed of this before. 
So you you can see how we're trading ideas all the time. I mean, that sounds like it's a, a resource for feeding off of each other's energy. I mean, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Definitely. And I, I think I've seen also um, some of our communities, you know, help each other deal with some of the really hard parts of being that kind of community as well. Because, um, you know, in some ways they're, they're breaking new ground. They don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of models for, not a lot of living models, right, for what they're doing. And um, in fact, a couple of our communities started talking about the advantage of bringing their children to the gathering because they wanted the teens from one community to meet the teens from another community, right? The teens from the West Coast need to get together with the teens from the Midwest because they're growing up in these similar kinds of churches and so they're struggling with things that most of their peers aren't experiencing. And, and so those, those networks can be um, very helpful for each other, I think. In I mean, has that, has that been happening and where the, that, that it's gone beyond kind of leadership, but to where you're having youth groups come? Well, I wouldn't say youth groups, but, but um, there have been youth coming. There's so there's a, there's an issue about, um, uh, our accommodations and all that that we're that we're working through, but yes, there have been um, youth from different churches coming who who do spend some time together during those. And well, they started off, and some of them they weren't youth; they were <laughs> that's right. They were three years old coming with their parents. I mean, one of the things that's fun about the Ecclesia Project: the number of young uh, families that uh, show up at this thing, old guys like me, and. Uh, 20 years ago, I was one of the young ones, but uh, there are more and more young people and they come and they bring their young children and the young children are all playing together and get to know each other. Next year, they're asking mom and dad, when can we go back uh, to Ecclesia Project and see so-and-so and so-and-so who are friends? They grow up together uh, and realizing there are other churches doing things and because in their context, they feel like sometimes their church is an oddball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know our congregation one year um, brought a number of our youth deliberately um, to the gathering. And then afterwards, um, we actually kind of took a two or three hour drive over to Indian. Uh, so the gathering is in Chicago generally and took a took a drive over to Indianapolis and spent, you know, several days with the congregation there um, learning about the kinds of things that they're doing um, in their community. And so um, a number of families within within our church did that. Um, and then, uh, you know, the folks from their community then at some point, you know, had uh, flown out to San Francisco and um, hung out with our youth, um, uh, so returned the favor. So there definitely is that kind of, um, I guess, like what uh, you know, what Kyle was saying. There's this interaction between different congregations that goes um, beyond just um, um, just the leaders, uh, the leadership within the congregation. I mean, is that planned, or does they just show up and you kind of work it through? Well, I think from, I mean, from our, from our congregation's end, it was deliberate. We said, you know, we want to, um, uh, we, we want to have more folks um, have a sense of what the Ecclesia Project gathering is like, because, um, because EP has been so integral to how the church understands itself. Um, 
And and yeah, no, we didn't just show up in Indianapolis. We we called beforehand. <laughs> I mean, but, but the leadership did they have something ready for you all as far as something for the youth to do? Um, yeah. So it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really programmatically based. I mean, I think it it was uh, it was you know hung out, uh, had meals. More um, like an extended family. That's right. Yeah, played um, played played hockey in their kind of uh, the, the rooftop rink um, that they have on one of their buildings. And, uh, you know, there were some conversations uh, among like the pastors about here's what we're trying to do in our neighborhood. And um, they, uh, that congregation is doing a lot of economic development work, which is something that we were also um, interested in in our neighborhood. And so we had conversations around that as well, but it's very organic. It wasn't, you know, it's like, yeah, come hang out. Let's eat together. Let's talk. Um, it, I think the, the, the setting was very much like the gathering in, in that way, where, um, even though there are plenary sessions, you know, and there are workshops, um, really the core of the gathering is people talking to one another, um, eating together, um, worshiping together. I mean, this is, if I go back to the congregational formation initiative that, that Chi Ming mentioned earlier, the thing that was so distinctive about that is that it's not a curriculum that says, here's what the gospel means and here are things you should do. The whole curriculum is you set of people, you have been called to be church together. Here's, here's what that means and, and here's how you go about developing a shared life and doing some discernment together. But what form that's actually going to take, that's necessarily the work of each particular congregation that that can't be dictated ahead of time, right? So right. It's, not about, it's not about having a program, here's what a church should be. It's about saying, hey, what do you think about being church? <laughs> well, it is uh, what uh, one of my uh, mentors, uh, Jim McClendon, used to call a conversation-guided life. That's the church. I mean, you're, you're always in conversation with the scripture. You're always in conversation with God, but you're also in conversation with each other and with a wider culture. Uh, and it doesn't mean you make it up from nothing. You got the scripture and you're in worship together all the time. But it is this ongoing conversation of, now, wait a minute, what's going on in Indianapolis that might... Uh, engender some ideas about what's going on in San Francisco or in Nacogdoches, Texas, and sharing those kinds of ideas and, and talking. You're talking around the dinner table, and then they bring out the coffee, and then somebody says, you want cake, and it just keeps on going and going and going. And sometimes uh, the Ecclesia Project gathering in the summer are these other gatherings we're talking about. I mean, that's what it's like. In fact, a whole lot of church life. Uh, is people gathered and having these conversations. It takes time, but uh, again, it's not dull. Um, in the, um, on the website, you know, in the 2019, uh, you have a number of good, good plenary sessions. And, and uh, Kelly, you gave one of those in which you kind of were assessing, you know, this is where we've been uh, in the past 20 years. Uh, but then you spoke about uh, some new questions that uh, seen through the lens of all that has happened uh, and still affirming the original 
uh, notion that you had a uh, some new questions to ask. Kind of talk. Yeah, about I mean, I, I think you know it's natural left over the course of twenty years, and there would be something wrong if there weren't some new questions coming up, right? And I mean, in that in that particular case, what had happened was um, we did uh, some some just check-in calls with um, people who were interested in the Ecclesia project around the country uh, a few years ago to kind of see what was going on in different communities, how people were feeling. And, and in one of those calls, one of our old friends said, she said, here's my question. Um, when I was first involved with the Ecclesia project, I thought, okay, the, the church is my politics. And, um, and so I never worried that much about like fighting to save the American constitution or preserve the American way of life. I mean, that's not, you know, I'm about the church and the witness to the gospel and nations, they come and go, you know, but my, that's not my salvation. Right. So my focus is on building up the church as the body of Christ she says, that's where I was. And now I find myself suddenly saying, save the Constitution <laughs> and, and becoming much more um, uh, concerned about uh, protecting um, the rule of law in American life, right? And, and much more concerned about America. And she said, my question is this, was I wrong to begin with or am I wrong now or has something changed so that it's right of me to change this way? And so that was sort of the question that set off that particular gathering, right? Each gathering has a different focus. And we decided it's been 20 years. Let's go back to the basics and talk again about this church's politics thing. And um, so all, we invited, intentionally invited a number of speakers who had different answers to that question um, by way of sort of surfacing, there's there there are genuine differences among us in the way we think about political participation um, in the U.S. And um, so it was. I think it was really a good chance for us to go back to that kind of fundamental commitment and explore um, the way different people who are all members of the Ecclesia Project, but who genuinely have some different takes on um, the answer to that question. Well. This has been a great conversation, uh, and I think uh, an important and good introduction for folks that don't know uh, what this is about. So let, let's kind of wrap it up by uh, letting each of y'all kind of round-robin uh, final thoughts uh, about uh, what you want my audience to know, uh, you know, what you would uh, recommend for them uh, as far as getting to know who you all are and what you're doing. So, who wants to start? <laughs> I, I'm going to start. So, here's what I would want your audience to know. The gospel isn't an idea. It's a living community of people in the world. And um, so, find the people who can help you to discover what that, what that invitation is. Because that's what it is to be a Christian, and it's fun, as as uh, Kyle has been saying. You can have a good time doing it. Uh, I'll yeah, I'll I agree with that. Uh, 
I am highly conscious, especially in my context in East Texas, of how not only divided our society is, but the, what worries me more is how divided the church is. I mean, right now, you can find churches that are, uh, they don't overtly do, do, uh, call themselves red churches and blue churches, but Republican and Democrat churches more than Presbyterian or Baptist or Catholic. Um, and uh, so what we're talking about in the Ecclesia Project is to uh, how how can we be the church of Jesus Christ? And that doesn't mean we're all pi more pious than everybody else. And it certainly doesn't mean that we don't talk about controversial stuff, but it means that we are learning that our, our connection with one another in Christ is deeper and more profound than any of the other definitions. And so to talk together and pray together and worship together, I mean, that's the church. And that, that in and of itself is a witness in this divided world. of uh, Somewhere there's got to be a people who share and talk and share a common life. And, uh, and then that sort of ripples out beyond that church. So Ecclesia Project has been like that for me and helped me. Maybe I might go, um, I might say that I think the church really needs these resources of friendship to resist um, some of the um, idolatries that can be very tempting um, for the church in the North American context. Um, so whether that's you know racism or militarism, capitalism, nationalism, um, the only way in which we're um, going to um, be able to resist that and actually uh, live out a concrete faithfulness um, to Jesus is by having the company of other folks that are doing the same thing and um, stirring our imaginations for how that might be done. So um, I, I would say that that's what the Ecclesia Project has been um, you know, for me, for our congregation, and I would encourage folks to come discover that kind of friendship. Well, I am grateful for your wisdom and your time. I'm grateful for each of you and what you're doing uh, for the kingdom. Uh, so thank you for being with me today. And I hope that we can uh, do this again. You're listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. The website that Kelly Kyle and Chi Ming made reference to during the interview that has lots of wonderful resources to help you understand more about the Ecclesia Project, and which I'll include in my blog spot, is ekklesiaprojectorg That's ecclesiaproject.org. The music for this episode comes from a clip of a song called Father Let Your Kingdom Come that is on the Porter's Gate Worship Project Work Songs album and used by permission by the Porter's Gate Work Project. You can purchase the album and learn more about the Worship Project by going to the website, theportersgate.com. This show has as its purpose enabling you to hear the voices of the Christian left and about the issues and concerns that are of interest to the Christian left. Practicing Gospel, Inc. is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard, go to my website at practicing-gospel.blubrry.net to subscribe and hopefully to donate.
Your participation will help me continue this effort. Thank you for listening and for your support. Blessings. May the words from my mouth.